0: I think we all have a chase. I think every single one of us, and ultimately it's an idol, it's an idol that we're chasing, whether that's affirmation, whether that's attention, um, whether it's, you know, trying to prove ourselves to someone or something.
1: Hi everyone. I'm Anika and this is the Try and Truth Podcast. Welcome back. episode of the Tried and Truth podcast. Thanks for joining me on this week's conversation as we sit down with Josh Straub. Josh and his wife, Christy, have co-founded Famous at Home, and they've also written a book all about their work in equipping leaders and companies and families. I can't wait for you to listen in as he shares more on the latest book. We're also talking about that chase that we find ourselves on that so often leaves us empty-handed when we finally accomplish what we have set out to do or obtained what we've set out to have. Uh, We're talking a little bit about parenting as well and shifting our perspective on how we view parenting itself and just so much about what it truly means to be famous at home. All right, Josh, welcome to the podcast. So glad you're here. Thank you for being here of all the places you can be today. Thank you that you're here.
0: Uh, Annika, thank you so much for having me. It's quite an honor.
1: So you and your wife do a lot of things, and you specifically do a lot of things. I would love for our listeners just to hear a little bit about you and your work, and and then we can talk all about the latest book, which is a book of what I want us to unpack today. But before we kick that off, I I would love people to learn a little bit more about you.
0: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, I've been married for 12 years to my wife, Christy. We have three kids. Um, Our son, Landon, he is 10. We have a daughter, Kennedy, who is eight. And then we have a a two-and-a-half-year-old little boy named Micah, who is just a ball of fun and a ball of energy and challenging us again um, in those early seasons, those toddlerhood seasons, um, which is wild. And Christy and I also, we uh, started an organization called Famous at Home and so we do uh, a lot of coaching we do a lot of leadership coaching um uh, my background my my phd is in um uh the area in counseling uh, particularly an area of emotional uh, health emotional safety emotional intelligence that type of thing and so we do a lot of work i do a lot of work with organizations with military uh, a lot of um folks who are who travel so we have a, a what's called a leader's heart cohort um which is like a year-long coaching program for Uh, And a lot of times we have folks who are in here who are very successful, you know, they might have a stage, you know, military, they're gone from their families, Uh, might be musicians, it might be people who are traveling business leaders, entrepreneurs, that type of thing, where like physically, they're pulled apart from their families, but yet, um, they really want to lead their families well. And so it's just been an honor for us. We've just found that through the years, like the single greatest thing for showing up well on our stage and showing up well, and how we serve other people is well we're doing that in our home And, and that's really where the famous at home phrase comes from is the idea that we're already famous at home and to prioritize that those people our biggest fans under our roof really is is the uh uh it's the catalyst for entering into the world that we're called to to serve other people well when you're blessed going out the door um as opposed to you know you know, hearing from my wife Christy, when you come home, you know, I'm overwhelmed, you know, I've got all this going on. Like there's just a diff you show up differently when you are living as a family cohesively, and you're all blessing one another in our endeavors. And so that's really where the idea of famous at home has has come from.
1: What a cool story. And even just to see how the pieces all came together, kind of your background, seeing a need, your wife joining in with you, you all creating, you know, cultivating that feeling at home. It really is the training ground, but also reprioritizing. I think now more than ever, just reiterating and establishing or maybe reestablishing those those family values that you talk a lot about in your book and the rhythms and just really keeping the home base strong and rooted. Yeah. and grounded and connected. And I love that. And I love the the t- tagline famous at home. Yeah. How great is that? So tell us a little bit about famous at home and, and the book that you yeah. guys have just released.
0: Yeah. So, you know, for, for many years, uh, and one of the other things that my wife and I do is we do a lot of uh, marriage coaching as well. So we do coaching intensives with married couples. We also do, um, just, you know, uh, we'll do virtual coaching and that type of thing. But, uh, basically, I mean, we were doing coaching for a number of years and, you know, a lot of times people would ask after I was done speaking in an event or somewhere, it'd be like, Hey, do you have this in a book? You have, you know, your coach, how you coach families (laughs) in a book. And we just hadn't done it. And that's basically what the famous at home book is about. It is our, 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 our playbook for what we do with families when we start coaching them. So it really centers in on, and there's seven decisions that we talk about, but that doesn't, we don't enter the, the, the seven decisions until the third part of the book, because there, there has to be this journey to getting there, to be willing to, to implement those decisions. And a lot of times we talk about being willing, but yet there's things in our lives that are preventing us from being willing. And, and I think it's important to be able to pay attention to that, to say, Hey, you know, am I really willing to change the way that I view my family and then how I'm going to interact with my family and that's been the biggest thing for us. Uh, so anyway, so so that's what the book is. It's really a, a playbook for how to implement this stuff. And and for us, I mean, we want to live our message. That, that's really our heart is to live our message. And so we're constantly refining as well. We have, as you said, values and rhythms that we're constantly working on um, and just always looking at uh, really? What is uh, decision two is about the app talks about the atmosphere of the home, and I think we're constantly evaluating: what's the atmosphere of our home? Is it ragged? Is it complex? Is it feeling exhausting? Is it are we too busy? Is there not enough time, or are we living out of a sense of peace and rest and joy and gratitude, and just evaluating that atmosphere and looking at. What are the decisions that we're making that are influencing the atmosphere of our home? And so that's a big component. When you asked me to introduce our family, I was gonna just really say, like, that's that's our heart is like hmm. our heart and our family is to make sure that we're living this thing and that we're doing it well. And um, and that's been that's been a journey in and of itself. So
1: which requires so much intentionality. And I love what you said about we it's a work in kind of a work in progress. You keep yeah. revisiting. <laughs> And, and looking at, okay, what do we need to adjust? What's working? What's not working? Cause what worked a few years ago or weeks ago may not work today. We're kind of like you all, we've got a, a nine, a seven, and a three. So about that same area. And so, you know, something happens from age one to age three or something happens when they turn, you know, eight and nine and 10. So yep. the rhythms or the sports or the activities or the school or the summer, all of those things do create some distractions in it as well. And so I think it's just, it's that constant intentionality and the decision yeah. to invest in your marriage and invest in your family and just see that as a, such a crucial part. So I think that's that's really fascinating. Um one of the chapters in your book that really just Hit home, I highlight it, underline, hand it to my husband. was like, read all these chapters. <laughs> the, the ones that really stuck out was um, a chapter where in chapter four, you really talk a lot about the chase. And you talk about these things that they get in the way. And you talk about our adversary. You talk about fear. And I just, I'd love for you, because I think that for anyone who, who's listening and who has the desire to really put their family first and foremost, or their marriage first and foremost, and their faith first and foremost, I think there there's a lot of distractions that pull our attention and, yeah. and create a chase that is in the wrong direction. And so I would love for you just to share anything or unpack that a little bit for us.
0: Well, I think we have to really pay attention to what kingdom are we serving? And I think that's a big, big piece of this. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, just now figuring this out, I think in my own life as a husband and a dad, but you know, one of the reasons Famous Home got started is because one of the most frequent phone calls I would receive were from business leaders, ministry leaders, people who were crushing it on their stage, but they had a moral or ethical failure of some kind. And what would end up happening is, is, is the common denominator was that the home was kind of put on the back burner. And the priority was, and again, this is no condemnation. It's just it's the nature of the world and the culture that we live in, where the dopamine bump you get a stronger dopamine bump at your job with clients, with employees, with than you do sitting on the floor playing a game of shoots and ladders, right? Like there's, 100%. it's just not the same thing, and and especially you take that heightened when you come home. I mean, the biggest. Uh, I would hear this often. I can lead hundreds of people at work, and I come home and I have no idea how to lead my own family. And so you go to, to work, and you're getting all these accolades, and you go home, and all you're hearing about is how exhausting it was that day, or you know, from your spouse or whatever that looks like. And you're not getting affirmation from your spouse. You, you don't mean bump sitting playing shoots and ladders isn't there, and that that's what leads to the chase. What leads to the chase is this 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 desire for because our our world, our earthly kingdom is all about fame. It's about notoriety. It's about what are we accomplishing? What does our success look like? You know, you know success and rising the corporate ladder, whatever that looks like for you. Um, and it could also be, Christy has a very different chase. I mean, her chase was feeling stuck at home. You know, she's got two master's degrees. She's very accomplished in and of her own self, in her own right. And yet she was feeling stuck at home. And she talks about that in in the book of, you know, this desire of like, well, I need to go out and I need to be talking to people who know how to tie their shoe. And I need to be, you know, climbing this, you know, whatever ladder that that society is telling me I need to do. And I think it's important for each of us to kind of pay attention because I think we all have a chase. I think every single one of us, and ultimately it's an idol, it's an idol that we're chasing, whether that's affirmation, whether that's attention, Um, whether it's, you know, trying to prove ourselves to someone or something, you know, out there, it's this sense that, um, you know, realizing that your identity, and I think that's, that's the key. It's, it's, where is our identity? What is our identity in? And so often what ends up happening is, is we end up neglecting our family because we're trying to find our identity outside the home. But until the industrial revolution, uh, Every single, you you know, it's fascinating to me, like in in Ephesians chapter six, it says fathers do not exasperate your children or do not provoke your children to anger. Uh, Tim Keller says that if that verse had been written in post-industrial revolution, America, Western world, it would have said mothers don't exasperate or provoke your children to anger because it wasn't until the industrial revolution that uh, fathers started leaving the home up until that point in every culture across history, fathers were integral in the, in, in the home. Your business was let out of your home, school was let out of the home, church was let out of the home, and it wasn't until the Industrial Revolution when fathers started going away to the factories that everything started to be individualized and everybody's individual identity started to fragment the family. And I think we're seeing the effects of that all these decades later with increasing rates of anxiety, we're too busy, everything's too complex, and there's not a cohesiveness in the family unit and i think the beautiful part about this in terms of the chase is identifying really where your identity lies and 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 I, that to me as 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 a believer in jesus and a follower of jesus i genuinely believe my identity is 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 there i mean i'm a son of god like that's and so therefore i have a different kingdom that i'm working to build it's not my kingdom it's his kingdom and if he is my king and i'm not the king and I have a very different chase or a very different pursuit. And that pursuit begins with those in my circle, with those under my roof who are already cheering me on. You know, one of the phrases we use, I sign off our podcast every single week with, is the greatest red carpet you'll ever walk is through your front door. You know, when you get home and your kids are running to you and they're jumping into your arms, you are already, they are your biggest fans. And so, to not neglect them, but to really prioritize them is what first Timothy talks about. It starts there. It starts by shepherding the hearts that are around us, our spouse and our kids. And so that's identifying, but we have to first identify our chase. And Christy and I talk about our chase in the book and kind of how we have you know, pursued, you know, coming away from that chase, but really identifying, okay, how do we pay attention to what really does matter and what are the priorities today? And it shifted how we, we uh, how we lead our family and, and, and in how we coach other families as well.
1: That's so good. And even just that, having that general awareness of, like you said, identifying and naming, what is it that we're actually chasing, yeah. and I love the irony that you kind of bring back and at the end of the book, and just talking about the irony of famous at home is not necessarily that we as parents are getting all the glory.
0: Yeah, yeah, right, right, <laughs> right?
1: right. Which is is kind of ironic because you think, okay, famous at home, how do I how do I, you know, help my kids think that I I run this place and that I am the end all be all, and the irony is that we're pointing them to.
0: Annika, I love that you picked up on that. Yeah. I, I, I so love that you picked up on that and that you, first of all, that you read through the book, that it was just amazing. Like just to hear like how it's influenced you, but then to pick up on that at the end, like we realized that fame was never really about us. Like fame, it's, it's not, not about us. It's not about us at all. You know, it's about him. It's about our kids you know, it, it's fascinating. This is totally off subject of, it's not off subject at all. It's, it's something where I've at, been at recently, but I just finished a book um, by night, uh, a guy named John Burke, I think is the author's name. He wrote a book called Imagine Heaven. And um, in that book, he t- basically talks about, uh, this, this was my Thanksgiving break uh, read, but um, he talks, <laughs> of, he takes, he takes near death experiences and he studies near death experiences from all over the world. And he takes all that corroborating evidence and filters it through the lens of scripture of what scripture tells us heaven will be like. And all these people had these life reviews. Jesus was, they would die and they would get a life review. My biggest takeaway from that, and it leads to this whole point, is that basically what he says in this book is that all of these people who had these near-death experiences, what what they experienced wasn't the accolades, it wasn't the trophies they won, it wasn't the accomplishments they made, that were coming up in this life review, it was how they made people feel when they were in their presence. And I think at the end of life, when I get to be with Jesus and he says, well done, good and faithful servant, he's not going to care how many speaking gigs I had. He's not going to care how much money we made. He's not going to care. What he's going to care about is, I genuinely believe what he cares about is love because he is love. And how did I love well the people that were in my presence when I was with them And, and to me, that's what it's all about. And I think that's what this whole idea of famous at home comes back to is how well was I stepping into the shoes of my wife and pursuing her heart? How well was I entering into my child's world and, and, and championing their heart and how well were we as a family living on mission to build and further God's kingdom? I think those are the things that really are important
1: for sure it's like that true fame is just loving well
0: loving well
1: loving well and leaving an imprint of helping somebody feel seen loved and, and heard simple right? and
0: complicated as <laughs> that cuz i think that? right <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes it's both of those things um which kind of leads me to my next question you know between can your role your experience christy's role i think a lot of people and especially i know a lot of of listeners to this podcast struggle with this idea as we're kind of talking about fame. I want to talk about significance a little bit because like you said, we find our identity in certain things that we do or that we have or that we're part of or that we're working towards. And so how do you all help coach people through really regrounding where my significance lies so that I can um, untether myself From those things where I am trying to find my significance and find freedom. Yeah, no,
0: such a great question. I think there comes a point and it's wild because I just, in a coaching relationship right now where I was just talking about this, I think it's important that we go through and we experience the, you know, because. What ends up happening is, is we pursue these things. I mean, we've all been there. We all have our chase and we're chasing these. We're chasing what feels like earthly significance. I don't think there's anything wrong with chasing significance, especially if your motives are pure in what you're chasing and doing. I think where we tend to go sideways is when we start to chase that thing to the neglect of the things that are most important in our lives, right? But I think we have to. There's a degree to which we have to chase those things. We have to find where it is. It's it's like trial and error, right? Like we have to get excited about things. We have to try on things. Otherwise, I think we will always will always be left wanting. But I also think that what we find is that when we do pursue these things and we reach the pinnacle of them, we're still left wanting. It it it's like we're Absolutely. left wanting. It's, it's U2, um, right? U2 uh, sings, um, uh, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. It's like we're, we're constantly on this search for significance that we're finding it in our accolades. We're finding it in all these things that we're chasing. And once we reach it, I think it's important that we reach them sometimes to realize how empty some of these things, earthly things really are. And it's like, oh, there really wasn't as much significance in that as it was. But at the same time too, so, so for me, the way that I coach people in understanding that is is what is their big what is the big like the reason they're doing what they're doing like what is the reason and if the reason is to influence people's hearts and the reason is to that there's a greater purpose in what they're doing like go all for it like go in um and for some people, I think you know too there's this sense of there's got to be, Adventure is huge. We want to make sure that we can accomplish things. I think accomplishment is important, you know, to accomplish things. But I think ultimately, and this is the way that I would I would coach people in, they have to have a purpose bigger than just accomplishing something, right? Like you have to have a purpose that is that is deeper. And there's a lot of times where. I think your your relationship ultimately with Jesus has to grow to a place where you understand that building his kingdom is what matters and is ultimately the most important thing because to me, there's nothing greater than love. Like that it's, it's what we just said. Like, <laughs> am I loving people well along the way? And if my pursuit of this goal is leading me to love people well and giving other people significance, that's at the end of the life, at the end of life, that's what matters. It's less and less about me and more and more about the other people that I get to serve. And I think we see it over and over and over again, is that that's where people's face light up when you're coaching them. It's like, have you ever thought that if you just see your job this way, (laughs) that, that and they're like, whoa, I never saw it that way. That literally just happened to me today where a guy was like, "Oh." I could have a way bigger info. Whoa, that makes my mission here way bigger. Because he's kind of like, well, do, do I stay here to, you know? Yes. And I'm like, no, like, yes, God has you there for a reason and a purpose. And it's to show other people who are there and who feel stuck that there's a different way. Like he was like, oh my, like this. And it just, it was an it was an epiphany to him and that literally just happened a couple hours ago.
1: Not funny how that happens. Kind of like this pyramid. I did business grad school and so you kind of it's a very inverted pyramid. It's opposite of what we're kind of talking about right now. And so it's how do I move up and how do I get higher up and how do I build a bigger business or create yeah. higher goals or accomplish more things and and when you realize that if you flip that upside down and you put you at the bottom of this and everybody else and the impact on top, it actually creates a really impactful pyramid <laughs> and and you become so filled up because of that. And I, I still remember hitting that realization in a coffee shop, doing a book club with some of my corporate coworkers once upon a time and having that same moment you just described like, wait, this isn't about me. <laughs> this is not about me. This is actually about other people. And if I help them to become successful and love and serve them well, even if that means they surpass me, even if that means they leave my company, even if that means all of those things, but they thrive and they feel alive and they're purpose-filled, I actually succeed. It was like the biggest aha moment for me.
0: It's but but and I think this is this is important even to the name of this podcast try you have to try it first. Yes. You have to get out there and realize it's not about you first before you discover the truth. And I think that's the key is like there's I think God allows us to fumble in our chasing so that we realize that it really wasn't ever about us to begin it with. It was an
1: empty chase. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Um, I want, I'm curious to hear is you all wrote the book. Cause I know there's different pieces. Y'all both kind of contributed collectively and individually. Did y'all have a favorite part of the book where you just absolutely lit up writing this chapter or writing this specific topic?
0: Well, that's a good question. You know, for me, um, man, the writing process is laborious. So I will say that. So <laughs> In terms of excitement, um, and I don't mean this just because it was over, I think that ending for me was really, really important. Um, That whole idea that you already talked about of, because I bring my, my dad into that and the impact my dad, who passed away in 2016, left behind for me. And that that that's ultimately what started my study of heaven into a deeper way, uh, uh, knowing that He's in heaven and understanding like what what does that mean? What does that look like for us? You know, and and so, uh, but reading um, Ronald Ruleheiser, uh, and there's a quote that I have in 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 the end of the book there that he wrote about: you never really knew somebody. It's the spirit that's left behind. And just that whole idea of, it goes back to that effect that we're having and that our fame is never really about us. That it's not, that to me, that gets me so excited because what, what you realize is you're already famous at home. I mean, that's the double entendre. We're already famous to our father, like as sons and daughters of Jesus, like we are heirs, We we are of the household of faith and you are so incredibly loved. You are so, like God loves you so much. And I think so often we fail to realize how much we are loved and adored by God, the Father, that that's what that's where our chase happens is our chase happens where we're trying to seek love, we're trying to seek affirmation, we're trying to find our own way through life, that then what ends up happening is, um, you know, our, we don't love as well, you know, Bible says we love because he first loved us. Our inability to show up well at home is, I think, directly proportionate to how you know how well our love tank is being filled up. And and so, and I'm not meaning this in a legalistic way at all, but I think we need to spend time with the Father. I think we need to experience his love of us in order to show up and love well. And so that's why I say it's as simple and complicated as as that, because it is complicated especially if you grew up in a home where you didn't feel loved or you weren't you know you didn't get a lot of affirmation and accolades from other people or or that type of thing and so and that's why all therapy tends to talk about you know you go to therapy and you start talking about your parents right away and but i think there's a, i think there's a reason for that i think you know um our ability to experience love is 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 and ultimately it's all the love of the father but that's what helps us show up well and and so in the book we talk a lot about we're huge on this um, we're big on, in I, like, I love the parenting side of, of it, but, but I hate the word parenting and, and I talk about it in the book, but the, the whole idea that I don't think that, so, so you can sum up all of parenting research into one primary conclusion and that's that our kids become who we are. And so <laughs> if, if you... There, there was one research study uh, done that talked about, um, and and we and we cite this in the book, but uh, it was a meta analysis that looked at the top ten parenting strategies to get the outcomes we most desire in our kids. And of the top three parenting strategies to get the outcomes we desire in our kids, number one was love and affection. Number two was a parent's ability to manage his or her own stress. And number three was how you treat your spouse or how you treat a co-parent in a divorce situation. I would argue that of the top three strategies to get the outcomes we desire in our kids, none of the top three have to do with anything with a direct relationship with our kids. They have everything to do with who we're becoming as adults. And so if I want my kids to grow up to love God and to serve him and to get good grades and to have good friends and to get a job that they love and to get married and stay married and actually enjoy their marriage and have high marital satisfaction, all of these things are linked back to how well I showed up in their life and who I was becoming as an adult. And so to me, that's a big component of this whole process of, of loving well is, you know, and, and Christy and I are big, we have we have we have a therapist, we have life coaches, we have pastors, we have spiritual directors, we have these people in our lives who are uh mentors to us and sounding boards for us because we want to constantly level up we want to be living this message ourselves so that we're giving something on to our kids and that 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 what we're giving them is is a healthy mom and dad uh somebody who did love them well and is working through our own stuff so that we're not projecting it onto them
1: I love that, that shift in the word parenting right <laughs> Just
0: yeah uh, thinking becoming. to becoming, I think The right? word becoming is
1: it, it is, also takes that pressure off a little bit too of It take I don't know parenting just feels so kind of painful and laborious sometimes, but becoming feels like it is an evolution of who we are becoming, and it is a process, and it is a constant intentionality required. And I
0: think the other thing too with parenting is what it does is it speaks into us trying to change our children's behaviors. And the reality is, is if you've ever tried to change someone else's behavior, it never works. Like if you it doesn't if you, no. <laughs> you try to change your spouse, you realize you're beating your head against the wall. You, it's because the only person you can change is you and how you interact with people. And it's how you interact with people that changes them and how they interact with people. And that's the effect. Yes.
1: And just that changing that mentality. You know, when I think about how I pair my children, if I'm trying to change who they are to make me happy rather than I need to kind of get myself right and think about the energy and the love that I am sharing with them and the way that God has created them. That's a total different shift in, yes. in how I do life in my home. And I think that impact is is so much more significant when I don't focus on trying to change who they are and what they're doing, but about looking at their heart, but first and foremost, looking at my own. So I, I just love that kind of paradigm shift in how we view parenting. So thank yeah. you for that.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> huge for us because it takes a lot of pressure off.
1: It really does. It it really does. Um, I have two kind of last quick questions. One, in y'all's coaching, have you all found that there's any just kind of low hanging fruit in a lot of these conversations? That's maybe one of those decisions that you talk about in in the book just anything that has created more aha moments or light bulb moments for for marriages or for families
0: wow that's a great question i think there's a couple um yeah there's a number of them the the one that i i want to share i think quickly is for those who are uh you know we're big on talking about emotions we're big on talking about getting getting beyond the surface level because we are so busy in our culture we tend to run ragged and i think the uh, you know one of the most important exercises we give couples uh, married couples is is to practice 15 minutes a day of of sitting down giving one positive feeling that you had that day and describing a feeling word i was content i was excited i was joyful i was happy um you know i felt calm and then one negative, or or what we describe as one uncomfortable emotion. I, I say uncomfortable because I think every emotion and feeling is a gateway to deeper relationships. So I think they're all a gift. I think every emotion is a gift. It's what we do with it that determines whether or not it's positive or negative. So it might be an uncomfortable emotion like um, sad, jealous, I was embarrassed today, I felt angry today, and just giving one with your spouse and one... Uh, you describing one positive and uncom- one uncomfortable and your spouse doing the same it just gives you insight into deeper conversation into your spouse's heart that gets beyond the business of the day you know I got to take the kids here what they're doing this in school or whatever that looks like and and then you can even do it with your kids like instead of doing a high and low for the day ask them what was one positive and one uncomfortable feeling that they had that day. so we're just huge on going to the sur- uh, getting under the the surface. And, you know, there's just one phrase that we use that what's going on within your spouse's heart matters more than what's going on between the two of you. So if you pursue what's going on within your spouse's heart, what's going on between the two of you will take care of itself. But we want to guard our spouses, our marital heart, because our marital heart, one flesh is the wellspring of life. So the more that I can pursue Christy's heart and what's going on in her heart, I just find it just is so much better than when I'm focusing on what's going on between the two of us, because I'm usually trying to defend myself. That's so good.
1: Good hard. Again, once again,
0: yeah, a good <laughs> so hard, simple and room. so
1: complicated at the same time. But I, I love that. That's That's such a great, just practical thing that we can all just think about. How do we implement that into our, into our daily lives. Um, I'm curious just to hear kind of one question that I asked all of my guests is just their take on success. So you can answer this on behalf of both of you or just how you personally pursue success or what a successful life looks like to you.
0: Yeah. I think I used to define that as I want, I would envision myself sitting on my rocking chair at like 80, 85 years old, watching my grandkids run around, you know, the the yard and thinking looking back and going what really would have mattered in my life uh at the end of life and for me you know that was raising a great family and and really being connected as a family i think it's it's expanded through the years to a place now where for me success looks like you know and and i don't i want to be careful how i say this like I want to make sure that I shepherd my children's hearts in a way that we're all together building the kingdom in our unique individual God-given gifts and talents and strengths so that I'm pursuing everyone around me, whether it's a person I'm coaching, whether it's my kids, whether it's Christy, that I'm entering into their world, pursuing their strengths and their passions, and that I'm a a a fuel to the fire that God has put in them for them to build his kingdom and ultimately it comes down to love. You know, I hate to just distill it down into you know what what <laughs> Jesus said to do, but that's what he said to do. Like love the Lord your God and love your neighbors yourself. And so to me success would be that I um I left a, an impact on people's lives in a way that they saw their household as a means to build the kingdom and that their household was more loving and peaceful and joyful and that everyone wanted to you know, say, Hey, I, I want, I want to have a little bit of that. What is it that they have, you know, ultimately as yes, the Holy spirit, but to increase the power of the Holy spirit through the household, to me, I don't think there's anything greater than success.
1: Oh, that's so good. Just even thinking, not necessarily pouring your fire on someone else, but really helping to fuel the fire that they've been yeah. given. That's oh, what a great definition. Okay. So we've talked about the book, but I would love for you to just share where other people can find you and what else you all offer so that people can connect with, with you on your resources?
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. So famousathome.com is where you can find uh, pretty much everything we do. We have a famous at home podcast. Uh, the book, as you mentioned famous at home, we also have a line of children's books, uh that really help get into the heart of the child so we have a book called what am i feeling it's got a pull out feelings poster in the back you can hang in the refrigerator of your child's room that helps them point to a feeling it's that they're cool. having uh what do i do with worry what do i do with anger these are also two children's books we have out uh 25 days of the christmas story and uh, devotional and then we also have a, a new one coming out in in the spring called 10 days of the easter story and basically, what we do in the in the Easter story is it's a, it's an experience through the emotions of Holy Week, and so we're looking at the different emotions that were felt when Jesus swept the tables, looking at anger, and it just takes the child experientially into Holy Week and what was happening leading up to Jesus' death and and resurrection on the cross and 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 resurrection back to new life, and so so lots of children's resources, um, and then obviously the coaching, but you can find everything at famousathome.com.
1: Well, thanks so much for being here. I will definitely post all of those in the show notes so that people can find you all, connect with you all, pick up the books, check out the podcast, reach uh, out fantastic. when, when, if and when right they get ready for coaching. We all have that moment in time. So I'm excited to share all of those resources with our listeners. And thank you so much for being here.
0: And thank you for having me.
1: Well, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Josh. If you haven't already, would love for you to subscribe to the podcast. Cannot wait to share so many amazing conversations coming in the new year. And also, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, would love for you to take a few quick seconds to write a quick review. It means so much, and that's really what helps this conversation and conversations like these get shared with so many others. But until then, hear today's truths and takeaways. Number one, you have to have a purpose bigger than just accomplishing something. Number two, go identify your chase. What is it, why is it? Is it the right chase, and what's in the way of that? Number three, God allows us sometimes to fumble in our chasing to help us realize it never really was about us. Number four, what would happen if you really shifted your thinking of parenting to really this idea of becoming? Number five, pursue what's going on in your spouse's heart. Really focus on how you can guard your marital heart. Lastly, the greatest red carpet you'll ever walk is through your front door. Thanks for tuning in. And I wish you and all of your families a very, very Merry Christmas and happy holiday season. Until next time.